I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is the show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am a uh, little balmy in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line from the Satellite Branch in scenic Hamilton, drunk off her ass, it's Caitlin McKinnon. I'm also very cool right now. Oh, so. how, how nice for you. I know. That's great. Isn't it nice? Love that for you. Isn't that? I love it for me too, actually. Great. Friends, do you love that for her? I bet you do. <laughs> uh, friends, I'm not drunk off my ass, but anyway. You started this phone call by informing me you were drinking alcohol. I didn't start it, but I did inform you of it. <laughs> because you were like, when things get spicy in 35 minutes, just so you know, there's been just a couple. So you know couple long island iced teas in here just so you know <laughs> i only assume that's what caitlin i've never heard caitlin mckinnon discuss drinking alcohol really in my life so i just assume that's what she that's what she has at the end of a hard work week uh, ryan ginger actually wow how utterly essex county of you and just like so old next i'm gonna start talking about bridge that is that is man that's an old ass white white man drink right there <laughs> Friends, this is episode 289 of the Geek Down Podcast. You learn things about us every week. If you want to listen to all of our other 288 episodes and learn all the things about us, you go wherever you get your audio content. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a little rate, review, follow, subscribe, review. A review would be nice. It's like less than 20 characters. The show's dope. I would love nothing more than for our Spotify homepage to just be a relentless screen of this show's dope repeatedly. <laughs> You could do that for us. And if after you do that, if you never want to miss a future episode, you just hit follow, subscribe, notification, what have you. And then you don't have to worry about anything else because someone that, frankly, I took for granted, Caitlin, and neglected mm -hmm. to even mention last week. I was just about to say, I don't think you... You gave him a proper introduction last week, and I, I didn't notice. I you see, listen, Look, they're coming for you. They're coming for you because you forgot. Caitlin didn't, even, Caitlin didn't notice either. But friends, when you subscribe to this program, you will not have to worry about finding new episodes because they're going to be brought to you, sprinkled into your device from the back of a rainbow mane alicorn named Philip, by someone who has done so much for this program, and I cannot apologize for my negligence enough. And that's your man's. Chauncey, Frostilicus Third, geek down internet elf. We don't deserve him. I apologize again for taking him for granted. But he's going to drop those episodes into your device so you can enjoy the what's left of your summer unencumbered by podcast scheduling. And uh, and then he's going to have a Ryan Ginger with me. <laughs> he, probably, he probably will because he's old as dirt because he's an elf. He looks That's true. He looks great. But he's 7,000 years old. Yeah. It's been a while. But it's he been a minute. He moisturizes. So he looks fantastic. 
That's this is what I'm told. It's all about the moisturizer. <laughs> it's very important, friends. If you want to get Chauncey's skincare routine, we'll let you know over at Twitter.com/slash/GeekTownPod. That's where the show lives on the social media. Shouts to everybody for the uh, for the for the love on our return last week. That was nice to see. Made me feel nice. Made made you feel nice in your tum tum. It it made me feel warm in my tum tum. Shouts to Simon Miller, wrestling wrestling recap legend Simon Miller. Um. Friends, if you'd like to support this endeavor financially, I mean, tips in the old tip jar also make me warm in my tum-tum. Head on over to ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. You can give us, give us three bucks if you're so inclined. Yeah. That's just like the change you'll find in your couch once you do a fall cleaning. Listen, you, you, you took out $20 for your laundry. A load cost three seventy-five. You did your laundry. You only got three bucks left. Can't do, can't do another load with it. So you know what? Why don't you just toss it our way? Yeah. And we'll use it towards Caitlin's uh, Go Transit costs. <laughs> so maybe exactly. She, so maybe we can do an episode in person again sometime. I'm very excited about the future. <laughs> you know what I'm excited <laughs> about, Caitlin? What? Monday. Yeah, the future. <laughs> Actually, it'll be the past by the time you it'll, hear this it'll podcast. Be the, it'll be the past. I am sure. I am sure. Two things. Number one, uh, I have a sexy sexy newer phone from the last time we ever did anything i'm sure if uh, i went back and found the footage from uh when we went to the perfume show in toronto years ago that very grainy footage will hopefully uh pale by comparison to what's filmed on the iphone 13 mini when we go to see monday night raw at the scotia bank arena this monday or yesterday as you're hearing this um we will try to get some videos or or some or some quick voice notes up <laughs> of the experience I am sure I want to document uh, Caitlin McKinnon's first encounter with live wrestling. I'm so excited from the bu- from the bougie ass box we'll be uh, we'll be watching it from. And the snacks can't forget the snacks, Jordan. Oh my god, do we get a bar too? I think we get a, I think we get a separate cash bar too. And there she is, Caitlin McKinnon, enjoying wrestling, her snacks, and a Ryan and ginger, a Ryan, and a Ryan, and a, and a seventeen dollar Ryan ginger. <laughs> um, what will not happen? So Caitlin had asked me what, to, you know, we're trying to like work out what time we should be there. And Caitlin was like, do we want to get there early to look at merch? And I'm like, who are you? But <laughs> I didn't. Hey, I'm all about absorbing everything. And if that means I get a mug or a foam finger. <laughs> foam finger. Caitlin's real big on the foam finger. Um, so excited about the possibility of getting a foam finger. I'm all about, you know, actually having a memento for this momentous occasion. <laughs> so curious about the uh, going rate of a wrestling t-shirt on the off chance that any of the wrestling t-shirts available will not immediately look like a wrestling t-shirt when you put it on your body. The the world wrestling entertainment graphic design is not their passion. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. But the, the, I wanted to see the price. So I go, I go to their, uh, their commerce, their shop site. And the uh, first item for purchase is a uh, shirt endorsing current WWE champion Roman Reigns who uh, his frequent his frequent phrase is he asks the crowd to acknowledge him because he's the tribal chief mm-hmm. so he requests you to acknowledge him when he comes to the ring and uh, it references the shirt in question references a recent uh, exchange he had with Wonderkin slash brat Austin Theory current money in the bank t- uh, briefcase holder where uh, Roman informed him that his daddy, parentheses Vince McMahon, was no longer around. Um, 
and the crowd got very into that and started chanting, who's your daddy? And Roman made a joke about that. That is what this shirt is referencing when it says, acknowledge your daddy. In my best interest, Caitlin has forbid me from buying this shirt. A hundred percent. Immediately. Immediately, no. There was like kind of like some vomit that like came up and then I was like, absolutely not. I deliberately kept this story from someone cute to this point. So this will be a surprise for her. And she's probably very delighted that this is the decision that was made. And you are welcome. (laughs) I am just looking out for all of us. Save Jordan. Save me from myself. People at work were very amped for me to buy this shirt. Thank you, Caitlin, for saving me from myself. They are a bad influence. You know those kids that your parents don't want you to hang out with? They are a bad influence. Do not listen to them. The operations team at Major Canadian Retailer are bad people. Um, The one one headline from wrestling this week, and I promise, friends, once we actually go and we talk about that experience, we'll probably not talk about wrestling for a while but wrestling is better than the things you like one thing i was talking to kate before the mics came on was the fact that on the most recent episode of monday night raw uh this past week the word wrestler was used drew mcintyre said to kevin owens we are wrestlers in a wrestling ring so let's freaking wrestle and you say how is that notable and i will respond to you by saying in the previous vince mcmahon era uh, old man Vince had a bunch of peccadillos about phrasing and words. You know, he's, he was an aspiring marketer and he always wanted to make things memorable. Uh, so there were a bunch of banned words that if you were a quote unquote smart mark, if you read the dirt sheets and you liked learning about backstage stuff, you already had learned years ago that there was a list of words that Vince didn't like. And he didn't want people to say on the show because I think maybe he thought it was too reminiscent of the Carney days and, you know, it was too, too lowbrow, you know, and he's running a, he's running an entertainment company. That, no, an entertainment empire, Jordan. That, that was the crux of it. He was always like, oh, this isn't a wrestling show. This is an entertainment show. We make movies, blah, blah, blah. That's how Vince saw his product. Uh, I disagree. And I think uh, the current person holding the book disagrees. So... That's why it was notable for Drew McIntyre to say wrestler because previously it was WWE superstars. That's what they were called. WWE superstars. Sports entertainers. It wasn't wrestling. It mm. was sports entertainment. It wasn't a the WWE, it wasn't the WWE title. Don't call it a belt. No, it's a championship. Only a championship ever. Down to the fact that like they're not called pay-per-views anymore. They're called premium live events. Oh my god. And everybody knows this bullshit. Like, everybody knows of this bullshit and that it is bullshit. So the fact that uh, the word wrestler was used was a clear call to dumb obsessives like me that the old rules don't apply, really. Um, And was almost like a warm blanket (laughs) being wrapped over all of us. And I was telling Kate this story uh, before the mics came on, and she informed me that this, this notion... As a reminiscent or has similarities to uh, the thing we're talking about this week. And I said, yes. how is that? And Kate so, said, I'll save it for the show. So, Kate, yeah. inform me. Yeah. Tell me about the Roddenberry rules. So, so I have to – there's a little, like, asterisk here because the there are actually different sets of Roddenberry rules. Uh, one set is about the actual physical ships. So things like the nacelles always had to come in pairs. There's, there's like a couple other things as well. Mechanical that, things. 
mechanical things that he was very adamant. Um, Sorry, context. The he is Gene Roddenberry, the original creator of Star Trek. Yes. Um, And the another thing was that the the rules I'm talking about, though, have to do with the rules for the writer's room. Mm -hmm. So, of course, Gene Roddenberry, writer of the original Trek, when they decided to make, you know, relaunch Star Trek in the late 80s, which um, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, Gene, of course, had a hand in writing that, but uh, he let a lot of the other writers sort of take over. But he had very specific rules about what could happen on the show even though literally there is an episode where like data gets like taken over by the ancient society <laughs> oh and yeah i remember that gods. one yeah, yeah. it's called masks it's like this great thing i like to pull out when people are like the new star trek is crazy i'm like new star trek is crazy let's have a sit down and talk about this data was um, data was who, no, was Data cake? Someone was cake for most of an episode one time. That, no, that was a dream. Data turned on his dreaming chip. Yes. And he, had a, he had a dream that... The phone was inside was... him or the phone was inside Jordy. Yes. I don't know. Don't ever say that Star Trek has not been batshit. It's always been batshit. Um, but, and I, I don't know all of them, but I do know that one of the big ones is that there couldn't be inter- any inter- interpersonal like conflicts between the crew or if there was something it had to get resolved like immediately Mm -hmm. which really stifles writers when they're trying to make a show interesting and also they're like it couldn't be that they it couldn't devolve into a show about about war and so when he eventually passed um and deep space nine started you can see Deep Space Nine is very different and that it is about war. Now, they did a brilliant job writing it, especially after second season. Um, second season is very much like uh, Star Trek Next Generation. It's that it's called Growing the Riker. It's like the opposite of Jumping the Shark. <laughs> um, it's when a series gets good. So if you're interested in Deep Space, Deep Space Nine after second season or during second season, it starts to get really good. But they were allowed to do interpersonal conflict. They did a lot of stuff on like the war and the cost of war, both you know emotionally, personally, physically. Um, and these are all things that were part of these sort of like Roddenberry rules. Um, but that's why like everyone likes each other all the time, right? Um, <laughs> And there were a couple standout episodes where they did some stuff with um, TNG, but by and large, yeah. So it, it's just interesting that a, a lot of good things can come out of somebody stepping aside. Kate, that was what passed for news on my end. You said you had a couple things you wanted to go over? I do. I do have a couple things. Um, the first thing is something we haven't talked about in a long time, which is... um. Kind of, I would say, a real, like, big part of the show is to get out the message, like our show, is to get out the message of, like, don't be a dick. Ooh, Caitlin. Yeah. Do you have fanboy fuckery? It's fanboy fuckery. Oh, my goodness. I can't remember the last Um, time we had fanboy fuckery on this show. And that's probably because not a lot happened for the last two years, <laughs> or at least not as much. And and it maybe wasn't as they weren't as vocal. Maybe they were I don't know hiding in their bunkers. I don't know whatever fanboy fanboys do. Um, and who do they hate this, this time? People of color or women? 
women, which is not a surprise. Um, and it is, of course, She-Hulk that is getting review bombed. Ah, Caitlin, explain the practice of review bombing for the people. Review bombing is when you create multiple accounts and you give a property one star or lower if you can, um, even though you have not watched it. And it's not a real review. It's to deter people from watching it because you're like, meh, women, or meh, people of color, or meh, I don't like that. Um and it is like the epitome of being a sensitive snowflake. Um, so there's a lot of irony there. Um, and it's awful and it sucks. And thankfully, Marvel has experience with this um, and knows better than to sort of pay attention to it. But unfortunately, there are a lot of people who go to things like Rotten Tomatoes to see like, oh, that new She-Hulk show. How is it? And they may not know about review bombing and they may be like oh it didn't get good reviews i'm not gonna watch it and then maybe a property that is really good doesn't get an audience it deserves because of this practice so this is just a reminder if you're thinking of doing something like this don't do that don't be a dick if you know someone who's doing something like this call them out on that shit it's not cool um and that's your sort of uh your your message for for this episode <laughs> as ever don't be a dick kate sidebar yeah how was she hulk i i haven't watched it haven't watched it yeah oh shit. hence why i didn't review it <laughs> because i have not seen it <laughs> kate will be absent from that discussion later on in the show which i guess is when yeah. i will save that discussion what else you got you had something for dungeons and dragons didn't you um, I do actually. Um, but before that, just before I get in, before I get into Dungeons and Dragons and Spelljammers and all kinds of stuff, um, I do want to say um, I am very excited. I have just in my search for possible news items, mm. I came, I stumbled upon something. Stumbled. Um, and I am really fascinated <laughs> and sort of like perplexed and also just like you probably i'm gonna say it and you're probably gonna be like oh yeah haven't we talked about that friends i'm, so, excited. Like I'm so excited for what this could be friends they're making a fallout tv show like the game fallout yes oh. amazon is making a fallout tv show and mm. they have like set pictures and they're amazing and i love the fallout games um and i'm I am intrigued and confused and know nothing about it. I just wanted to share it with the people because if you didn't know like me, then there you go. That was, was like my experience with the uh, the Wednesday show, which I was not aware was even a thing until cast oh, photos yes. got revealed revealed this week. Yeah, I've seen it. I saw the trailer this week. As did I. Um, yeah. And also, so I had no idea who the cast was and it's, I believe it's Jenna Ortega who was playing the title character. Friends, this is an Adams Family kind of spinoff uh universe building type show focusing primarily on the character, the daughter Wednesday. Um, Catherine Zeta Jones plays, um, Morticia, uh, Louise Guzman, who again, uh, some idiots were like Louise Guzman. Really? Like we're just putting people of color in these worlds. Um, um... his name is Gomez Adams. <laughs> he was previously played by Raul Julia. Like, like take a deep breath. And, like, just, I don't know, get a soda. Like that song says. Wow. Like. 
Caitlin McKinnon with the deep cancon here <laughs> at the end of summer. Wow. Um, and Jenna Ortega plays, um, from the latest Scream reboot, plays uh, Wednesday. And when she first posted a photo of her, like, in the makeup, uh, the at least the lead comment that I saw on Instagram was Christina Ricci with a bunch of hearts. And I was like, that's nice. I like nice. nice. I like nice stuff. We like nice stuff here. Um, yeah. Surprised to know one Tim Burton is behind this. Um, yes. And directing at least one episode. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's for and ne- just Netflix. And just an FYI, people, um, Tim Burton did not direct the original Adams Family. He so. did not. No, he did not. I felt like he should have, but he didn't. Well, this this is his makeup. And regarding Fallout, um, I only ever played, I tried three, I think, but did not stick. Again, this is one of those games where I just did not like the notion of like every step I take being logged on a morality meter, and just made me way too <laughs> gave me too, way too much anxiety. So that, that's fine. That's fair enough. I just I loved I love the storylines. Um, uh, Fallout New Vegas, amazing. Kiss, wah, just kiss, so good. It's it's old now, a hundred percent, but it's still just really good storytelling. Um, interesting characters, interesting setting. It was good. Um, and because we like to talk about things that make us feel good and warm and fuzzy, I'm going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, Spelljammers, uh, or as Jordan keeps yelling, Spelljammer. We got it. We got it in at work. Apparently, this is a big deal. It is a big deal. Well, okay, there's a big history with Spelljammer. Oh, God. For people who don't know, Dungeons and Dra- Dragons, famous, well-known tabletop role-playing game where you pretend you're a character, you have a dungeon master who takes you through these settings and sets you up with monsters to fight and gives you sort of like the rules to go by it's friends, basically like friends our patreon our patreon is possibly never coming back so i am sure if the people want to hear there were old bonus episodes uh, on patreon where caitlin taught me how to play dungeons and dragons yes. and uh you can learn <laughs> you can hear some of the early adventures of uh red dragonborn paladin i believe he was aggressive mcgillicuddy yeah, aggressive mcgillicuddy i'm amazed i can remember all that apparently i am I, amazed you can remember yeah apparently i had a stronger affinity for him than i realized at the time but <laughs> <laughs> but, but that um, that runs through the full like caitlin explaining to uh you know dum dum over here how how uh dungeons and dragons functions so Spelljammer, as you may get from the name, is basically a okay, here's the name of it. It's Spelljammer Adventures in Space. Go to space, y'all. <laughs> so basically it was like Dungeons and Dragons answered to like, what happens if you put wizards in space? How do they get there? What do they do? They instead of like real space, they usually fly along the astral plane. Like they had this whole thing. It's been Years and years and years since they've had, I mean, since this idea has happened in, in Dungeons and Dragons, and they're re releasing the Spelljammer um, uh, books, so supplementary books for fifth edition, which is the current edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and a, a ton of people are super excited about it. Some It's some people's favorite thing. The current campaign I'm in, we have been doing spell jamming stuff for ages, but Senior correspondent Chris can do it. He could. Senior correspondent Chris could literally take Dungeons and Dragons and just 
run with it on his own. Say, you, like, you, you seem nonplussed about Spelljammers, Kate. Well, because we've been doing this kind of stuff literally for years at this point. <laughs> and senior correspondent Chris, like he wrote a whole series of, of books for D&D about airships. And part of the airship thing is going into space. And he did that shit himself. He was ahead of the game, ahead of the curve. Um, so I'm like, eh, like it's exciting. Sure. Fine. What I'm really here to talk about is, okay, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. It came out in 2014, almost 10 years ago. And they have just announced, Wizards of the Coast have just announced there is a new edition coming. Oh my God. Yes. New editions are literal, like, upheavals in the D&D world. Oh my God. Sixth, Sixth edition, Kate? Sixth edition, which at the moment they're calling something which is dumb. <laughs> they're calling it one D and D, like one O N E, one D and D, and everyone's like, "Why?" <laughs> now it could be to mark out. It's like fifty years. Twenty fourteen mm. will be like fifty years since Dungeons and Dragons has existed, and ten years since um, the last edition. So it might have something to do with that. I'm uh, a lot of people are like, eh. But what's really interesting about this, and and I'm really glad this it was it's an article by um, a PC gamer. But the the tagline is "Don't panic. The new one D and D rules will be wholly backwards compatible with D and D Fifth Edition," which is extremely important because. Every edition changes, like, how the rules work. Third edition is famous for having a lot of math involved. Fourth edition is famous for people hating it. Um, And fifth edition, by and large, a lot of people, that fifth edition is their first time playing. um, And they love it. Um, This is what they know. They've simplified a lot of things in fifth edition. They've written a ton of supplementary content content so i was really concerned i'm like they're literally exact like they're putting out spelljammer books right now like there's there are books gonna be released for the next like two years um so i was like why are they doing that is it just like a gimmick to like get us to buy more rules we don't need any more rules but no what they're doing is sort of rejigging some of the way fifth edition works and i actually you know reading a little bit more about it it some of it is actually really interesting makes sense it's really nitty-gritty no one needs me to go into it on this podcast um but needless to say it's it's kind of an interesting evolution in that they've recognized people really love 5e it works really well by and large let's just make this other thing that will be backwards compatible so people can continue playing the thing that they love but we've we're, we're spicing it up a little bit. We're cleaning it up a little bit. Um, and I think that's actually a nice way to do things. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited. I'm, I was in, kind of a bit in shock when senior correspondent Chris told me, cause I was like, why though? <laughs> if it's, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of mentality. But I can see once he, once we had a talk about like what it, some of the main things they're changing, I could see why they're doing it. Um, but it's nice. It's like, you know, the idea of like, People are p- still playing Skyrim, like except you can mod it a ton, oh, yeah. and they've like put in a couple things where they've like updated, you know, the graphics if you want it. But there are still people 
I mean, how, how long has that game been out for, right? If it's a good thing, sometimes it just needs a little bit of a tune-up. Caitlin, right? every time I, there's a sale on the PlayStation Store, I see what the you know last complete whatever PS4 edition of Skyrim is going for. It's never cheap enough as I think it should be. Right. If that game was ever like $10, <laughs> yeah, I would buy it again mm-hmm. and replay it. And I probably sunk more hours than I'm willing to admit on the, the Xbox 360 version back in the day. <laughs> Like what a cool guy you are. Love Skyrim so yeah. much. And people love Dungeons Dragons and they love 5e, but this is just kind of just like a tune-up. So I find it really fascinating and I'm I'm actually very excited for it. What an interesting time. All the things we like are going through I know. radical seismic changes. What a time. One last thing before we move into updates, a note of congratulations to beloved by this show and by many people, uh voice actress. Suzuko Mamori, uh, voice of Umi from the Love Life franchise and a whole host of other things. And most notably to the concerns of this podcast, the woman who was very disappointed that the pony rides were only for children. (laughs) It is one of our favorite clips of all time was this grown ass woman (laughs) went to a petting zoo for some sort of like, you know, talk show feature or some variety show feature. When they told her she couldn't ride a pony, she got real upset. She was legit upset like not this is not put on so she was kind of crushed so disappointed um she recently had a baby with her husband uh the rainmaker (laughs) new japan pro wrestling star kazuchika okada i i we must have talked about it but i had forgotten that and (laughs) that is amazing you forget every time that she's married to the rainmaker yeah me too yes but she announced her pregnancy a while ago and they had a baby boy and it appears all things are Everyone's doing fantastic. So, omedetak gozaimasu to the two of them, and health and happiness. Updates. Caitlin. Yeah. You didn't watch She-Hulk. What else did you watch? Um. So, I finished Miss Marvel. You were behind on Miss Marvel. I, I was. I took a break. I was watching a bunch of stuff, and I kind of, there was so much that I, it, I kind of forgot. <laughs> and then I went, oh my god, I've got like two episodes of Miss Marvel left. Um, and liked the show. They definitely rushed that end. My goodness. Yeah. It deserved better. Um, the ending was fine, but I, it really needed to be, it, it needed to be like two episodes. I just, because they also, sorry, they also like that there was bad guys and then all of a sudden they're not the bad guys and then somebody else were kind of the bad oh, guys. Yeah, I mean, the villain, the villain problem on Marvel move on Marvel properties is always a thing. You know, I give me Kamala stopping bank robbers in Jersey. Like that's fine for me. Like I understand when you mm-hmm. have that opportunity to showcase your culture and your history. Sure. Take the shot and show teach middle America about the partition. I get that. But it did feel like we were working with two different shows a little bit. Yeah. And, and yeah, so it was a little um, dissonant, I guess you could call it. Um, But I did love the characters and I really want to see them again. Yeah. Um, But I, I actually think for, for like maybe only once this show needed more episodes. (laughs) I needed, I needed like eight or 10 episodes if they were going to do that. Um, or they needed to save it for second season, right? Like I, I, they really wanted to get a lot in there and I think it could have, some of that could have waited. Um, but I, I loved her. Um, I loved all of them. 
I want to give them all hugs and hang out with them. Yes, I mean, again. I'm very excited to see. Um, I guess this would have wrapped all we were on hiatus, right? So very happy to see her show up again in you know the next thing, the Marvels, I guess. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, and this is this is such a weird one. Arcane. I have people who are like regularly grab me by the collar and scream at me to watch Arcane. And I'm like, I don't play the game. I don't know anything so, about it. And they're like, you don't need to. You don't need to. You you absolutely do not need to. I, I played for a little while. I don't even remember these characters. Is, like, it's not important. This is League of Legends we're talking about. The game League of Legends has a animated spinoff something property on Netflix that is now in its second season. No, no, it just wrapped its first. It oh, will get its a first. second season. Yeah. Oh. So the reason I bring this up, because this has been out for a long time. I started watching, I watched the first episode of Arcane. I know exactly what it was. It was on the plane to Vancouver last November <laughs> for my friend's wedding. And I watched the first episode. I thought I downloaded the like the next two, but I, I hadn't. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. Um and then um, I was like, oh, you know, senior correspondent Chris, I think this is something we should watch together. And he was like, uh, and he like, he watched the first episode and he was like, uh, and he kind of watched the second episode and was like, eh. And then I caught him watching the third episode, like near the end. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, well, um, I don't know. It's not great. And, and he kind of asked me a couple times to watch it. And I was like, uh, you know, I, I have all this other stuff I want to watch. Well, then we ended up watching the very end of like the third episode. And then we watched the fourth episode. And I was like, what the fuck? How has everyone been sleeping on this? <laughs> Why aren't people like shouting from rooftops about how good this series is? The art is phenomenal. Um, I think it took a, it took a little bit of time to get up off the ground, which is fine. I think what it wanted to do is have a really good foundation to jump from, but the last couple episodes, oh, and the last episode, the last moments of the last episode. Oh my God. It it was unbelievable. I cannot believe it took me so long to finish the series. I'm so mad at myself. But also, though, the next series, I think, is coming out maybe in the fall or winter. So I'm like, oh, maybe you did yourself a favor so I didn't have to wait like a year <laughs> and a half for it to come out. Um, but, yeah, I just – I'm so pleased it's got getting a second season. We know Netflix is weird about giving things second seasons. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm I'm very happy about that. Um and I'm very interested in where the story goes from here. So yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, I continue to watch my Kumpf videos, which are Japanese travel videos. Ooh, of what variety? Oh, D dude with um, GoPro on front car of train. Those are my favorites. A hundred percent. So I like the ones where they go to hotels. I like the ones where they go to like famous um, tourist spots. I like the ones where they go on trains, planes, buses, um, boats. You got to find that dude, who um, just, that dude who just like when I was feeling real sad about my trip getting canceled, the dude who just walks yeah. through like Shibuya on rainy evenings mm -hmm. with just a GoPro strapped to his chest. Just, it's like a three hour video of just him walking slow in silence. Um, I like them because they are all silent. 
and just have subtitles. I don't need another weeb giving me <laughs> giving me YouTube voice with his Asian wife <laughs> telling me about Telling me about and places that you visit in Japan. I know exactly the channel she's talking about. Shots fired! Shots fired! <laughs> um, it's, it's not just oh, a channel. No. I am, I guarantee you there are like 17 channels that are like just like that, like are identical. I don't like it. I don't like his voice. I don't like his, like, I don't know. It just, no, I like, there, there are a couple of people there. I, I, several who just they're you know from Japan they go around traveling um there, there's a lady I found who does it as well they take you through like some of the cool things I am stopping specifically at a certain um capsule hotel in Kyoto <laughs> because of all of the freebies oh <laughs> tell me about the freebies s send me, yes send me that link later I will. Um, you should go to this hotel in Kyoto. But I've to, I like senior correspondent Chris watches them with me, and I'm like, we're going here. They, you get free. You can get free meals. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I just need to get to Japan. Once I'm there, I know all like the free stuff. <laughs> oh, and they also need to open everything back up. No, that, that, would, that, be that would be nice. You know, to be able to go there without a babysitter because I'm yeah. from Canada would be nice. Yeah. Um. So in that vein, so I love all of those. They're super. Comf I, they're very relaxing. Um, they don't have like tons of music over it. It's just them. Oh, I, I got to ride the Hello Kitty train. Oh. <laughs> which was amazing. Um, there's like, there's, there is a store, a Hello Kitty gift shop inside the Hello Kitty train. Amazing. Um, it was so good. Um, so yeah, I like, love these videos. I also, there's an older couple in Azerbaijan who pick vegetables and fruit <laughs> and we watch them all the time and they teach me how to make famous um, dishes from Azerbaijan. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's kind of my, my comp <laughs> and that's what I've been watching. Fantastic. Uh, well, Kate didn't watch it, but I found time to watch She-Hulk. Uh, so I guess Ooh. I won't go into too much detail because Kate has yet to watch it and I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, all I will say is, I didn't think it was a great episode of television, but I'm not like about to wash my hands. It's a throat clear. It's a right. big throat clear. There's a lot of stuff to set up here. And it almost seems like the people behind the show or the writers or whatever are like, we know we have to do this. So let's get it out of the way as quickly as possible. Right. This is how she became the Hulk. This is what happened. All that stuff you see in the trailer is kind of in the first episode. And, you know, right. the credits say special guest star Mark Ruffalo. So he probably ain't coming back much for the rest of it. Mm -hmm. um, CGI, still not great. Still looks like WWE 2K15, especially <laughs> with, like, the hair, her hair especially. Um, and, again, I don't like saying shit like that because I couldn't fucking do it. Like, these people are probably working under such time constraints and deadlines that I can't even imagine. So I don't like chiding shows for stuff like that, but it just, it takes you out of it. It looks like, you know, a Final Fantasy cutscene. It's not, not super great. But the moments where she's just Jen and, you know, the show gets the moments to be the thing that it, so all the, all the Marvel shows are always like, it's like that, but superheroes. They're trying to do like an 80s legal procedural. 
Right. Which is what we loved about the comic, which is what the comic was. You know, it's She-Hulk yes. attorney at law. So it should be the legal stuff. The moments where it leans into that, I'm like, I'm here for next week. Now that all the other shit we had to get through is out of the way. Right. And that's kind of the benefit of the comic, right? They didn't have to set that up. You just, you, you, bam, you're in and she's already She-Hulk. Yeah. Or you can, so you can say everything you need to say in a one, in a one pa- one pager on the inside cover, right? Right. After receiving a blood transfusion from her cousin, Bruce Banner, lawyer Jennifer Walters is now the sensational She-Hulk. Like that's, that's yeah. literally it. You can't do that on a show. You need or at to, least they haven't found a good way to do they, that. They, they haven't figured it out. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that to get through. I'm optimistic about the show going forward, um, but it's, that was a rocky start. It was a rocky start, but I am looking forward to staying with it going forward. And shouts especially to uh, Windsor's own, Toronto Hip Hop Karaoke's own, (laughs) Kagan McLeod, who provides artwork for the closing credits. Cool. Uh, Kagan has since become, and he's gone from doing murals on the sides of, uh, coffee shop slash bars in Windsor to uh, becoming a very successful commercial illustrator. And he got the nod to do the uh, courtroom drawing-esque closing credits for She-Hulk. So cool. Shouts to him. Salute. Salute hometown talent. Um, What else? Finish Sandman. Caitlin had already finished the series when we talked last Mm -hmm. week. I finally found the time to finish it. And... I'm going to say it made Morpheus a little too cuddly in the end for me. But again, this is coming from someone who like is as fanboyish as fanboyish can get with this stuff. Yes. Um, I was not dissatisfied at all, nor was I dissatisfied with the discovery this morning as we're recording that another episode just dropped out Uh. of nowhere. Not, not a spinoff, not a filler, like a full ass episode. It's an hour long and it's an hour long and it's weirdly and it's animated and that's fine i'm super here for that it's not all animated i did not know oh it's what it's two stories caitlin oh my god i thought they were both animated so we talked about before how in the comic you would have these multi-issue arcs and then maybe a slew of single issues that would just they were just like little short stories little jewels fairy tales basically they're fairy tales Yeah. yeah um like, they weren't nothing. Like, the Midsummer Night's Dream episode won a fucking Hugo Award. It was the first time it ever happened, and then the Hugo Award said, comics can't win anymore. That's yeah, that's a true facts. So, this episode of The Sandman does both Dream of a Thousand Cats, which is a classic fairy tale-esque story based on just yeah. the notion of, like, you watch your animals twitch. What are they dreaming about? Um, that's the animated portion. They also do Calliope. Yes. The story of um, the muse, Calliope, who was married to Morpheus and had a son with him. This all becomes very important later on down the line. But yes. um, they did that, and that is live action. Like I didn't know. Okay, so I found out she, when I got home 10 minutes before we had to record this episode, and I was like, damn it. I was so upset. The Calliope episode, I thought, was fantastic. It, Amazing. Um, who's the guy who played Rory on Doctor Who? Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. That, that guy, guy. That guy. He plays, basically, it's like there's, Calliope has been kidnapped. 
Don't uh, tell people. Don't tell people? All right. Don't no, tell don't tell the people. It, I think the episode does the best version because the Sandman comic, and then when you adapt that, it's like 40% outer limits, like, right? Like just these single issue stories yeah. where like Morpheus shows up for 10 minutes at the end. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. And I think if you are curious about the show, I think you can watch Sound of Her Wings and this, hand those to your people who are unsure. And that that's that's how you'll know if you want to spend any time with this. Um, two other things I want to talk about right quick. One thing that was uh, I watched during the hiatus but I didn't get to talk about was something I watched on the train back home, courtesy of Hoopla. Once again, get a library card, everybody. This is a show called Penance, which is a six-episode, I believe, television show by Japanese horror auteur Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Um, I believe this just came from me looking for like, what does Hoopla have that's Japanese? And I was like, oh my God, Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who, when I had my J-horror phase in the early aughts, circa 2003, 2004, you know, Ringo, Juon, all that type of stuff. When I was getting into Takashi Miike movies and stuff like that. Uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa was the very heady type of suspense, horror, whatever. As we always say, as I've said before on the show, J-horror, at least of that era, was not like, it was... Creeping dread <laughs> right. all the time. And I was like, oh my God, he did a TV show. And uh, it's based on a book of the same name um, by this woman who also wrote a book called Confession or The Confession that I read. That was really kind of insane. Uh, we'll say this. It deals with dead kids. So mm. your mileage may vary. It's basically about this young girl is murdered in like the third grade or something and her friends were all there um basically this guy comes up and is like i need some help finding whatever whatever and she goes off ends up murdered and all of her friends who were there are like say they can't remember or like they're they're of no help and the the girl the murder girl's mother is like gets them all they all go to her house and it starts off pleasant enough but then she's like you will either find the killer or you will pay me a penance that I deem acceptable. Amazing. And then the first episode is like that. And then I think I have, I didn't get a chance to finish it because you know, you only get so many downloads (laughs) per month on hoopla. I got to wait for those to roll over (laughs) to finish it. Um, but then every episode sticks with one of the girls who were there. And the first episode of that sort, I was like, it's a girl who kind of like shuts herself off from the world type of thing. It gets, and it catches up like it goes into the future. Right. So they're all adults now. That one is the most stereotypical, like creepy Japanese type thing. There's dolls involved and, and weird, weird possessive husbands and things like that. Um, I was like, um, that's okay. I guess I still got another, you know, 90 minutes on this train. So I guess I'll bash out the next one. And that episode was the one I was like, okay, there's something here. Because this one has to do with each episode then follows one of these girls and stays with their perspective, right? So right. When, they, when they find the girl's body, they're like, you call the police, you find a teacher, you do this, you do that. And then it, the next episode will repeat that sequence but follow a different girl. Um, so this is about the girl who was looking for a teacher and, like, couldn't find anybody. And, you know, you start getting moved immediately watching this girl looking for a teacher and not being able to find one and, like, starting to break down. Um, that's intense. And fast forwards to her in the future. She's now a teacher, a very strict teacher 
the not cool teacher who also takes like kendo classes right because her whole motivation is like she doesn't want anything to happen to any of her students right that's how she's been processing the trauma of this thing that happened when she was a kid um and she basically ends up finding a girl getting bullied and ends up wants her to tell her what happened so badly she ends up freaking the girl out so then the cool teacher kind of saves her from the pta (laughs) after that um and tries to like offer her advice and then it skips to like a field trip cool teacher and her are at a pool with some kids and some like some weird dude comes in with a knife and starts threatening the kids and cool teacher jumps in the water like jumps in the pool with the rest of the kids she grabs a broom handle and beats the shit out of the guy go uptight teacher who's taken you know martial arts (laughs) so she's a hero cool teacher is like he you know dereliction of duty type thing i can't believe he would do that he just he saved himself what a coward type of thing so he kind of gets put on leave because the pta is like get that guy out of there and he kind of warns her he's like this will come for you too like and it does because it doesn't take too long for then the narrative around her to go from she's a hero to like well didn't she overdo it like that guy was on that guy looked dead in the pool like right like and they're scared of her and at her next kendo class she freaks out a little too much on her she goes in on on her sparring partner a little too much the story of her like rise and fall and like what people do to like hero worship type of thing. Like it was totally different from the first episode and I thought it was just really, really well done and how in the execution. So I'm curious to see what the remaining uh, episodes. How, will... how many are there? Six. It goes through like oh. each girl the POV is like each of the girls who were there. And then the mom again at the end, the mom is always like this ghost wandering through all the episodes. Like she always like appears <laughs> to like right. watch what's happening to them. Um, it's very interesting. I don't know if it's worth, maybe I'll save it for spoopy season and we'll, uh, revisit it and see what Kate thinks, but Ooh. it ain't that far away, y'all. Um, I know, I'm so excited. Two other things right quick. One sad and then a palate cleanser. Um, I apparently cannot get enough of watching documentaries about Woodstock 99. <laughs> okay. I had already, you have a problem. I had, already, I had already watched the one on, uh, HBO max, which was done by, uh, the ringer. And now there is one on Netflix called Trainwreck, which is a three-part documentary that kind of goes day by day through this the... This is like Firefest all over again where everyone's releasing their own documentary. Yeah, everybody's got their own. The The hook to this one, I would say if you're going to watch one of them, watch the Netflix one because they have... There was probably a bidding war for this woman's footage. She was the assistant to Michael Lang, who was like the promoter of Woodstock 69 and then the subsequent ones. Um, and is infuriatingly unbothered by everything. <laughs> Oh my God. He just always has this smile on his face. Like, oh, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, um, friends, if you, if you don't know, which I understand is possible <laughs> because I am old and decrepit now. Um, Woodstock 99 was a huge music festival in Rome, New York on the 30th anniversary of the original Woodstock, which happened in 1969 and is heralded as like this cultural touchstone moment of the summer of love and what have you. And it was just a free, it ended up being a free show. Um, everybody took care of each other and what a beautiful moment, peace and love, all that type of thing. Woodstock 99 was not that. And it's interesting to interrogate the culture at the time. Um, you know, as we're recording this, uh, 
that dude who I just recently found out existed, Andrew Tate, uh, got deplatformed for his vile, toxic uh, masculinity that he espouses on all of his platforms. Um, Like I said, I had a beautiful life, and then I found out who Andrew Tate was, and my life got less beautiful. And I apologize. Don't Google anything is my advice to you. But you can kind of trace that back to shit like Woodstock 99 and just the bleach blonde tip era of broy frat dudes. Um, it's a, it's very interesting to like sort of interrogate the culture of that time because there was a shift, especially with dudes. <laughs> Basically they had this festival and it was three days. It was in a horrible venue. There was, there was no shade. It was like, and no, the facilities were terrible. So by like day two, number one, you had a, lineup of acts that reflected the charts of the time, which was basically very angry male rock. Yeah. Your headliners on all three days were like corn one day, then Limp Biscuit, then uh Red Hot Chili Peppers on the last night. Oh my god. Initially all you saw at the time was destruction, vandalism, fires started, things of that sort. In the days that followed you learned how terrible it really was when the stories of the sexual assaults um, started coming out. Yeah. And you went, Oh, this is just horrible. And the, like I said, there, I believe you should watch the Netflix one because they have a bunch of footage by this woman who was Michael Lang's assistant. And she just had like a mini DV camera and she was just filming the whole time. So there's tons of footage from both sides of the production, they talked to more musicians who were there than the ringer one did. What I really liked about this one was infamously things really kind of hit a fever point on the Saturday when Limp Bizkit performed and decided to really lean into their song that, that musical classic break stuff. Yeah. And encouraging the crowd to do just that. And they damn near brought down the sound tower. And what I liked about this one was, they talked to the people who were involved at the rave hangar, which was like the shit that happened all night. They mentioned that, you know, these people had to go somewhere after Limp Biscuit was done. Yeah. So they're talking to fat boy slim and the producer at the rave hangar, just going like, so the walkies are just telling us they're coming. Oh shit. Cause they don't want to go to sleep and then they're not done. It, if you're all I could think what getting to the end of it is like, if you're a kid in your 20s and you didn't know this story, my God, <laughs> you must just be looking at your parents or your uncles or whatever and just your parents or your aunts Damn. and uncles and just being what like, hell? what were y'all on? And so one girl who was there mentions like, if this was today, it would have got torn down on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook Live and all that type of stuff. And it just it wouldn't have happened because people would have known early, but we didn't have but any, there weren't anything. We didn't have any of that. All we could no. do was turn on, you know, the event and, you know, the promoters. The main point of contention was they sold the food rights to outside vendors who could set whatever price Mm -hmm. they wanted. So by day three, you're getting the bottles of water for $12 scenario. (gasps) Of course they were going to, of course it was going to go Lord of the Flies. And I don't understand why music, like music events, still exist like i just so every story is a terrible story about them not all of them some people pull it off well but 
it's just I don't know the last couple in Toronto <laughs> have been disasters so it's just if you are completely unfamiliar with that story it will be very very eye-opening and if you already are I mean which I was I learned I, there were still things to learn that it was even more terrible than I knew at the time that's your awful thing are you ready for a palate cleanser Kate yeah I am man bluey's great what's great bluey what's bluey Caitlin what you don't know bluey no bluey what? bluey is a seven minute per episode show for children from Australia what about a family of dogs, Bluey and her sister Bingo go on little adventures. What is going on? Caitlin. <laughs> I came to this twofold. Number one, we, uh, the most consistent man at work and I greatly enjoy reading the storybooks of Bluey when we encounter them as we are processing product at work. <laughs> and also because Andy of Chris and Andy, who is a father of two, uh, has been very vocal and the fact that he finds Bluey to be the best show on television, and he knows Chris will never watch it, but what? he thinks it's fantastic. Um, and Chris, re- or sorry, Andy recently had a solo episode on the watch, and took the opportunity to run down, get all of his dad, <laughs> get all of his Daddington stuff out of the way, and he was like, "Here's ten best episodes of Bluey." <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my god, that's amazing! So I was like, "Let me let me go with, let me go with some of these." Um, so like I said. I'm never going to watch them all, even if they're only seven minutes per episode. There are three seasons on Disney Plus right now. Um, what is going on, Caitlin, Jordan? How- <laughs> I watched She-Hulk. I was already on Disney Plus. Andy had been talking about Bluey. I know uh-huh. they're like six minutes per episode. It's like, uh-huh. let me check out an episode of Bluey. I feel like I'm having a stroke. I contain. Like- I contain multitudes. Layers. You're like an onion. So I watched the episode where Bandit, their dad, takes them to go get a takeaway, Chinese takeaway, or takeout, as they say in North America. Um, The egg rolls aren't done, or the spring rolls. It's going to be five minutes for the spring rolls. So it's then Bandit trying to keep these two children from (laughs) destroying the place (laughs) as they try to entertain themselves for five minutes. So it's like there's a hose that's overflowing. There are menus scattered everywhere. His takeout got spilled. He slipped and fell. Uh, and the, the employee of the restaurant comes out and she's like, it's going to be a little longer here. Do you guys want, do you guys want a fortune cookie? And it's like, oh, they've never seen these before. How delightful. And it's like, oh, there's a bit of paper inside and bandit reads it. And it's like, the fortune is something like flowers bloom every year. Youth blooms only once. And he has his Oh mom. my God. Don't come and I'm like, my heart. I'm what like, I'm in my house alone screaming bluey. Why are you a beautiful affirmation of life? Um, <laughs> Oh my god. And yeah, and then the infamous episode which I will recommend to anybody is the episode called Grannies where Bluey and Bingo like to uh play an imagination game where they are grandmothers. Yes. <laughs> and they I ca- am here. This is what I do every goddamn day when I get home from work. And they are curious as to whether or not grandmas know how to floss dance. <laughs> so they call their <laughs> so they call their grandma to find out. And turns out they can't. And then Bluey gets really smug because she said she was sure she was right. And then Bingo didn't want to play anymore. And Bluey doesn't understand. And her mom's like, well, you can be right or you can keep playing. Lessons, y'all. That's like an affirmation for Lessons, life. Lessons, y'all. Lessons. The lesson there was they just taught their grandma to floss dance. So they could keep playing and Bluey could be right. 
Oh my god, amazing. Amazing. I slipped on my beans. Friends. <laughs> Take a break right here. I love this show. I love. You love, I love you know what? You know how we always say, "Keep wrestling stupid." Mm. Keep the geek down pod stupid. Keep the, keep, the G, keep the GDP stupid, man. I just talked about Bluey. I just talked about Woodstock '99 and Bluey. Oh my god. Oh my god. Well, friends, you never know. Who knows what you're going to get on this show, but if you've read the title, you already know. August Watcherama rolls on, and when we come back from this break, we'll be taking a trip to them strange new worlds, which we will discuss in a moment. Welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we have brought kind of each other. Yeah. But it's August Watcherama, and we don't bring each other things. We just sort of decide ahead, and then we watch them all. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> Sometimes. And we're really glad you could join us. We are. Um, This week, uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um, You want to go through the rules first, or... Yeah, yeah, I do. All right. Uh, the first rule is the rule of three, that if the thing comes in episodes, which this does, we will watch at least three of them so the thing gets a chance to become the thing it is trying to become. Mm-hmm. As with m- much of the television or entertainment we consume these days, uh, they've got a pretty good idea. It's not like the good old days where, like, with, like, Buffy, it, like, had to try and find its footing or anything. It's pretty good from the gate. This show also has um, an extra little um, kind of like uh, advantage, I guess, because this is actually a spinoff of Star Trek Discovery, which we will talk about in a moment. The second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. That is the rule that we will not talk about the thing before we are sitting in front of these microphones. I don't even know if Jordan's watched it. Nope. I mean, I don't even know how much he's watched of it. Um, but we do that so that you guys get the freshest of takes and this thing is relatively fresh. So it's like, it's like extra fresh. It's like having a fresh take with like strawberries on top. <laughs> fresh take, a fresh fluffy take, some strawberries, maybe some creme fraiche. Ooh, I like that. Maybe some whipped cream. Um, third rule, not really a rule, just really a policy. There will be spoilers. Yep. That means we will talk about things in depth. We will ruin the ending of episodes. We will be the worst. So if you don't (laughs) want to experience the worst, um, then you should get on. Go on. Listen. Watch um, Bluey, which I'm going to be doing after this podcast. Listen, it may not make it to the final edit, but when talking about the Sandman earlier, I almost like started going in deep on the plot of the episode. And Caitlin was like, no. The front half of the show, we'll try not to spoil things for you. I didn't spoil She-Hulk yeah. for Kate. That's the front half of the show. Yeah. You in the back half of the show now. Yeah. This this is like the ratchet part. <laughs> like, this is... <laughs> you got to be careful here. It is just spoilers flying all over the place. And if that's not what you're about... Yeah. You need to get the fuck out. You need to get the fuck out. Go watch some Bluey. Grab some fish and chips. I really can't recommend enough to... You just watch just a couple episodes of Bluey. Yeah. Um, okay. But now that we're out of the rules, we're going to get into 
the uh, preamble of the show, which yes. of course is left up to me, which I never know why Jordan lets me do this. <laughs> um, but you, I try my best. You can read. I can read. Um, so Star Trek Strange New Worlds is an American television series created by Akiva Goldsman, Alex Kurtzman, and Jenny Lumet for the streaming service Paramount+. Plus. Now in Canada, we are able to watch it on Crave. Crave, yes, which is kind of like this weird HBO-esque thing that has a bunch of other stuff thrown in. Uh, can- Canadian um, streaming is like a total grab bag because like stuff Paramount Plus has Yellowstone, but that's on Amazon in Canada, and yeah. also has all the Star Trek stuff, which is on Crave in Canada. Like it's it's a yeah, crazy amount, of it, but that's where you can watch it. Here. Uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds is part of what is called the like Kurtzman Trek or Kurtzman Galaxy or Kurtzman spinoff. I don't know. Kurtzman exp- expanded Kurtzman. Stop saying Star Kurtzman. Trek universe. <laughs> well, it's, that's what that's what the people have been calling it. But anyways, um, it was uh, it. Sorry, it's a spinoff from Star Trek Discovery, as I mentioned. Uh, basically, these characters, which are pulled together from the original pilot of the original star trek um show up in discovery for a season um and people enjoyed it so much that they were like let's give this a shot um it follows captain christopher pike and the crew of the starship uss enterprise as they explore new worlds throughout the galaxy during the decade before star trek the original series i don't know how much of it i should go through i will say that um, so, as mentioned, it's Captain Christopher Pike, um, and uh, Spock is in there, uh, Christine Chapel or Nurse Chapel, as she's known in the original series. Um, there's new characters, Lan Nunyan Singh. Um, there is Ahura is in this. Um, Erica Ortegas is a new character. Uh, Joseph Mabenga is a new character. Um, Hammer is a new character. So it's like this interesting, oh, Una Chin Riley, um, number one, that's an older character. So it's like this mix of new characters and old characters that we know from, from the original series. Um, many of the characters, new characters do not show up in Discovery. So it's sort of like a new experience for people. Um, and they do a thing where they go more classically week to week, as opposed to having an overarching plot throughout the season. Yeah. So Um, there's a little bit of that. Let me jump in here with, with some of the extra context about why we're doing this. Um, Star Trek is surprisingly like a large, more overt for you i think but not a small thing for me mm-hmm. um sunday afternoon waiting for dinner watching the newest episode of tng on channel 50 at you know 5 p.m on a sunday like and, and interesting in, in the way that you you kind of grew up with it which like senior correspondent chris did i didn't come to it until later in high school okay well i mean when when was tng 80s late 80s to early 90s late 80s was it that early goddamn yeah, um, because I definitely I remember watching it. I remember watching the pilot of TNG and being like, "This looks odd," and then coming back to it, probably whatever that classic Borg era was, um, through to the end. But I believe, with the exception of maybe Lower Decks, this is the first time we've ever talked about a Star Trek thing. Yeah, on the show, um, mm-hmm. I think so. And this was so the most consistent man of work informed me one day that he started watching Strange New Worlds. 
and said, number one, that it was week to week, one and dones, basically, and that it was, to his mind, the best Star Trek he had seen in years. Yeah. I said, well, that's, that's a bold statement. And I brought that news to Caitlin McKinnon. I said, that might be something we should check out. Caitlin McKinnon started watching it probably before the hiatus. And I got the sense even then that Caitlin McKinnon was very amped about this show. Yes. And agreed with the assessment. And then I watched three episodes of this show. And I too agree with this assessment. This episode, there's an episode and there's an episode I watched that might be one of the best Star Trek episodes I've ever seen, period. Oh, 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 which one was it? Second one. I, you have to, I've seen the whole thing. You have got to. The Comet. Refresh my mind. Oh, so good. Now, my, not resistance, but original series is a gaping black hole for me. I have no connection yeah. to original series at all. Caitlin and I might have some disagreement over what this show expects you to know about and how right. well it fills in gaps. Um, I don't even really know who Khan is. I don't know about picture me on memoryalpha.wiki.com last night going like, what are the eugenics wars? Um, so, so, okay. We don't need it to explain all that for the sake of the sh- for the sake of this discussion. But like, I think, I think the show, if you, if that's your jam, if you want to play spot the reference, like the Marvel kids do, but for Star Trek, this is your jam. This and, and lower decks. But if you don't know, when they say that her name is Lan Noonien Singh and there's like a pause for effect, I'm like, huh? <laughs> Who? I, I don't think it's important. I think the show thinks it's important. Um, I, I think the show maybe does. I mean, what I want to say is that I, I kind of wish they didn't do that. They made kind of, not, not every character, but a lot of the characters, like, like they didn't need to make her a, a Noonien Singh. Like, right. they... they they didn't have to do that. They could have just um, made her her own character, or like, which is what I think TNG did so well. They brought in a completely new cast. It wasn't like you know um, somebody's great great granddaughter. Right. They were just a completely new cast of characters. And I think there's some fear. They always want to have this connection, but they they already had Pike. They already had Spock. Um, they already had like. There were already they already had number one like there there were already these people, um, who were that. I think all the rest of the cast could have been completely new, or almost completely new, and it and I, they didn't need those like you said pause for effect or name drop moments. Caitlin, if you had done that though, I wouldn't get have gotten Young Uhura, and that is not something I will stand. That's true, but but I mean, like that's why I said not all of them. Like Ahuru, I think was a great choice. She's an amazing actress, and she does a great job as Ahura. I love just like just watching her. So be cool. The main thing, uh, what passes for an overarching plot here with the show, and again after the first episode, I was hitting Kate up, being like, "How much Discovery does this show expect me to have watched?" Because they're talking a lot about you know stuff that happened to that like. Christopher Pike has a beard. He's in Montana. He's just chilling. He does not want to go back out. Like, what, hap- what happened out there? So many what happened out there's uh, in this episode. I'm making it sound like it's a poorly written episode. It's not. But there's there's a lot of that. And it's like, it's classified. I can't tell you. Um, basically, you find out through the course of the episode. And w- was this depicted in Discovery? Did these events happen in Discovery? No. As I told you. 
oh, this, oh sorry, like, this seeing like his this, own death what, thing. Like what, yes, that did happen in Discovery. Sorry, okay. when you were like the Gorn, like did, did they show up in Discovery? They didn't. They didn't. At I all. meant specifically with this this flashback of like whatever they did. The first episode yes. has to do with this society basically getting warp technology too early. Um, yes, and they use it to make a weapon instead of a spaceship. They're too. Yeah. They're still too tribal. To which which is a a. a a theme that happens quite a bit in Star Trek and the Orville. Um, yes. So they, they, they got, they got a glimpse of warp technology and managed to reverse engineer some of it into a weapon, but those events, the finding the wormhole, the things that they saw that was depicted in discovery, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, it so was. That's what I meant that there were clearly things, the things that they are referencing in that first episode, the show does an okay job. Well, I was going to say it's it's that it's the game you play. It's either She-Hulk or right. this, or they don't tell you anything. Like it, it's what? How much do you? How much groundwork do you lay? And it's a it's a it's a fine line. And it it opted to just try and do some light exposition to fill that stuff in. I got yeah. the basic gist. All you really need to know is something happened in this. And Christopher Pike has seen his own death. Yes. And when it will happen, and how it will happen. And he feels this is this is unavoidable because there are, there are lives he will save when he dies. Um, so he feels that this is a given. Um, that's why he didn't want to go back out on the Enterprise because he thought he this knowledge would make him ill suited to to command a uh, starship. Yeah. Um. So that's that's the crux of the first episode. And again, so the thing you need to know about our relationship to Star Trek as it relates to our discussions on this show, even though we've never had a well, Star Trek has never been the topic per se, is that uh, Caitlin has a general sense of dissatisfaction with the Abrams, J.J. Abrams rendition of Star Trek, correct? You would say? Correct. Correct. And this is because it got way too big budget action movie, which has never been the appeal of Star Trek to Caitlin and frankly to me either, uh, which, yeah. I, which the show reminded me of because what do we want out of Star Trek, Caitlin? Diplomacy Diplomacy! And that's what we want. I want people in rooms talking. That literally, the end of the first episode is just like the kick down the door of diplomacy. <laughs> it's like, we will talk this out. We will talk it out now. It really is. You see that? You Everyone said, grab a coffee or a tea and sit your butts down. <laughs> it's like, you're going to stop fighting. You said whoever's got the biggest stick wins. I got the biggest stick. Look at it. It's floating up there. Sit your asses down and figure this out. Um, not just that. You know what else I want, Caitlin? You know what else I want? What? I want people. Want? I want people sitting around conference rooms, and, strat- yeah, and and strategizing, and having parties. I want pitches. Listen, listen. I haven't had one of those in a while, y'all. Listen, I love life on the starship. Yeah. I want to live in every quarters on this ship. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. Man's got a fireplace in his spaceship. Sure. I know. I love it. <laughs> Why not? The kitchen, the doing the dishes. He's doing up steaks. Like, come on. Yeah, this is fantastic for just like one and done stories where there's a problem. And how are you going to solve the problem that isn't just zappy zap? Yeah. The second episode, which I said was maybe the best episode of Star Trek I've ever seen, there is a comet that they are observing because the comet is going to hit a planet. Projections say it's going to hit the planet and destroy all the life on it. This is a very agrarian, uh, pre-industrial sort of society, but there's millions of lives down there. 
This comet's going to hit it. That's bad. B plot, Uhura is the cadet and does not feel she belongs, doesn't even know if this is a thing she wants to do. And given how elite Starfleet is, that kind of doesn't sit well with some folks. So as they attempt to uh, adjust your, your first problem to solve, well, that's how we're going uh, to adjust this uh, comet's course to keep it from hitting the planet. Well, let's just gobbledygook torpedoes. Science, science, boost, science. Booster, science, 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 science yap. <laughs> um, we'll put them on torpedoes and just fire the torpedoes at the comet, and then that will fix them. We'll use the boosters to adjust it. Awesome. Dope. The comet's got a force field around it. Oh, my God. Why? Well, there's a society of beings who think the comet is holy and preordained, and whatever it's going to do, it's going to do, and it can't be interfered with. That's their job, to make sure the comet is not interfered with. Mm-hmm. And Pike's like, but it's going to destroy a planet. Basically, they Ivan Drago that shit. It's like, we cannot, we are not going to interfere, and we will not allow you to interfere. Meanwhile, the away team of Spock, uh, Lon, and Uhura, and And Kirk's dad? Brother. Brother. Um, It basically, the away team portion is like the movie Arrival. Like, they're just trying to, Uhura's skill is, you know, if you just think of Uhura, you think of the pretty lady off to the side holding an earpiece, but she's like a linguistics expert, the communications expert. She knows 37 languages. Um, So they bring her to try and decipher these markings that are on the comet. All these plots are intermingling. It's fan fucking tastic. The comet is speaks in music. It's, it's incredible. Fantastic episode. And, you know, Spock and Uhura get a little bit of respect by the end of it. I was like, what? And then it was done. And then the third episode was about a light sickness. And man, do we love a medical emergency Star Trek episode. Oof, so good. Those are fantastic too. It's like an elevated version of all the best Star Trek tropes. I think I think my only criticisms of this, I hate Spock, but I've hated him since Discovery. You don't like sexy Spock? Hate the actor who plays Spock. I don't hate the actor. Sorry, no, no, no. I'm sure the actor's lovely. I, I just hate the casting of Spock. I hate that Spock's, like, in it. Like, I didn't want him to be in Discovery. Mm. I didn't want Burnham to be his sister. Like, I just did not want it. Burnham's his sister? Adopted. Oh. And which makes actually lots of sense because Spock had a brother that no one knew about either. And they just, like, don't talk about family. It's a, it's a it's a Vulcan thing. Later in the series, I am going to mention this. I won't say anything about it. Um, Kirk does show up. Okay. I do not like the actor they cast as Kirk. <laughs> don't I don't want the like I don't want the new actors as these other characters. Just give me other characters. I don't need to see a younger Kirk, right? Like I have all of original series and a handful of movies. But everything else is so good that I'm like, all right, fine. All right, fine, I'll watch it. Um but yeah. All I know is the most consistent man at work told me, wait till you get to the episode where they're stuck in a cloud. <laughs> oh, man. He so said, good. That, that's the one I got to get to. So, I mean, uh, this yep. is like, this is like easily an eight for me. Yeah, it's definitely a nine for me. It, I mean, if you ever enjoyed Star Trek that did not involve, I mean, okay, so your experience will be enhanced perhaps by deep knowledge like like listen similar to me i can't sit here and just be like 
talking about how much I love Sandman for rewarding my deep knowledge of the property and then grit my teeth at Strange Dream Worlds for doing the same thing. Right. It's just not my deep lore thing. If that's your deep lore thing, you're probably going to love this or find a lot more to enjoy about it. And there's enough there if you don't know that, because I do not. The original series was never my bag. But this is original series filtered through the storytelling techniques of TNG and Voyager, and even more so than that. Like, again, we talked about the Expanse before and the space battles in Expanse. Yeah. The battle with those, like, Comet Shepherds and the Enterprise... It was fucking incredible. Like, yeah, just choreographed it well. Like, I felt exhilaration watching that. Um, and 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 they, I really like that they finally got back to what people really like Star Trek for, which is gobbledygook science <laughs> and problem solving. At the end of the first episode, I'll say it. Here's a, here's a spoiler for the end of the first episode. They solve whatever problem they're solving. Uh, Ortega is the is the helm, right? Yep, yep. He's like, where are we going? What are we doing? What's the mission? He's just like, well, we're explorers. We explore. And then launches into the monologue. You know the one. It's at the beginning of every episode you've ever watched. And he gets to, and we'll boldly go where no one has ever gone before. And then it cuts to her to the side just going, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I busted out laughing. I thought that was so fantastic. Like, this is just really, it's, it's comf. With a little thought-provoking, with a little, like, hope, like Kate said. Like, these are all very powerful things to tap into. And as garbage as the world can seem, it's nice to see a version of the future where, you know, war is not, war and violence is not always the primary problem-solving yeah. tactic. Yeah. So, that is on Crave. That is on Paramount Plus in the States. I definitely think it's worth a watch. Caitlin obviously thinks it's worth a, it's worth a watch. If, of course. If you give it a watch, you can let us know on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Let us know what you thought of it. Get up off Twitter. Was the pre-existing knowledge too much for you to bear, or were you able to just roll with it? Are you as thrilled as I am that Rebecca Romaine is getting, getting the bag in 2022? I, she was... <sighs> let, her, let her thrive, Caitlin. Yes, a hundred, exactly. Sometimes, you know... There are, are plants that you need to, like, clear the way for. <laughs> that That is Rebecca Romain. Just clear the way for her to just bloom, okay? The she, woman's been through enough. She was fucking Mystique, for God's sake. And she was amazing as Mystique. She got painted blue for 47 hours every day for, like, three years so you can enjoy those movies. Friends. I don't know if August Watch Rambo is going to wrap up next week, but either way, uh, by the calendar. That's right. That's right. We may go into cinematic September. We may Sorry, we may go into, you know, like, listen, uh, they, these rules are fluid. And we took an extra week off, so we would not. And Caitlin's dying to talk about Stranger Things, so we may. But next week, I believe we are going to move on to the Amazon adaptation of a graphic novel I did not finish, but we both greatly enjoyed, I feel like, when we talked about it on the show. And that is Paper Girls. Yeah. So I'm amped for that. Caitlin has already finished it, so I think that suggests how she felt about it. Uh, I have not started. Maybe I hate watched it. You don't know, Jordan. Just like, ooh, this is terrible. And I haven't watched a frame of it, so we will have that discussion next week. We hope you join us for it, friends. Thank you so much for spending an hour and change with us every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. 
My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and I hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Jesus, I wasn't up yet. I told, told you to I wait. I said, walk us back in. Do you have your stuff? And I said, yes. <laughs> Go now. This is your fault. Oh, my God.